Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have part two, number two, episode two of the Meet the Coaches series. This one is with Coach Lisa, which I'm really excited to bring to you. I'm, I'm going to be excited about all these, let's be honest, because you guys are getting to hear the stories of each and every one of us. Um, but this one is with Coach Lisa. Coach Lisa is, uh, she is a nomad. She travels around the world. It's pretty crazy. So she's lived in many different places, and you guys are going to get a really good insight into how she stays fit while traveling literally around the world, how she went from uh, college to police officer to nutrition coach with Boom Boom Performance, uh, a wild journey, her battles through eating disorders and different diet fads that she fell into, overtraining with CrossFit, and so much more. You guys are going to hear so much good, applicable information from one of our coaches that has really been through it all, and she continues to go through so many different things to elevate herself as a coach on this team and really bring her clients the best results possible. And we're going to dive into so many different things from her story to her personal struggles to what she is currently researching and studying at this moment to how she gets her clients the best results possible, the biggest mistakes she commonly sees with the clients that come on board with her on our team, and so much more and everything in between. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this podcast, not only because you get to meet Coach Lisa, and she is an absolute all-star. I get so much good feedback about her as an individual and as a coach from so many random people that just reach out to me um, throughout the week. I, I honestly, it's, it's, I told her on this podcast, I said it's like a proud papa moment, but I get them all the time because she's constantly getting people just raving about her. And you're going to hear why today because she's just such a phenomenal person, but also has a really cool story and is really evolved into such a great coach. So I'm really excited to bring this podcast episode to you guys so you can get an insight into another one of the coaches on the Boom Boom Performance team. Before I jump into this episode, remember, guys, the best way to help me grow this show and share it and get more and more people listening to this, which is the ultimate goal, it's to spread the word and teach people around the world. Do me a huge favor. Take a screenshot of the episode right now. Head over to Instagram. Post a screenshot on your story and tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom and tag Lisa at CoachLisa underscore BBP. I'm going to put both those usernames in the description just in case you need them. Um, tag us both. We want to see who's listening. We want to share this on our story. And last but not least, make sure you head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's get on to this awesome episode. Introducing Coach Lisa. All right, so this is part two of Meet the Coaches. I think I have an interview with Adam next week. And today we have Lisa. Lisa is one of the coaches at Boom Boom Performance, and I'm excited to have her because a couple things. Number one, you've been crushing it, and I keep, and I'm going to do this publicly. If, if people saw you, they'd probably see you blushing because I know you're going to, you're too humble to admit this, but so many people have been reaching out to me saying how much they love you, saying how great of an experience they're having, how, how amazing you are with educating them, and how great you are with communicating with them. Like, you're just an all-star coach. I'm really excited to have you on the team. And I'm excited for people to finally get to meet you, get to hear about your story, get to know who Lisa actually is behind the scenes. 
Um, and we're going to start that with um, kind of going from square one, like how you got into everything and we'll kind of dive through your story and then we'll go into some specific coaching topics. But let's start with, um, as we were just kind of discussing off air, like how you actually got into fitness in the first place. I know you've been in it for basically your whole life, but explain to us why and like how that came about, even if it was ages ago at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I'm super excited to be on here and to give people a bit of a background about myself. Um, so I am from Germany and I always grown up, I've always played sports. I've been into like track and field mostly, swimming um, and yoga for the most part. And then I lost it for a little bit after high school. But I even during high school, I knew that I wanted to study sports and exercise science. So um, as soon as I came back from my travels after high school, I enrolled in college and I started studying sport and recreation um, and with a major in nutrition. And basically throughout the whole time, I was always training and active. So it's just kind of come naturally and tra transitioned from playing sports into more individual um, training. I love it. And, and you... After high school, you went to college. After college, what was your first job in, inside of fitness? Or did you go a different route and then come back to fitness? I did go a different route. So at first, I was working at a high school as a coach coordinator, which turned out to be more um, management and communication, just sending emails. And I didn't enjoy that so much. I thought that's not why I got into fitness. Um, and so I chose to go a different route and I became a police officer, did that for a few years and then realized that that really wasn't um, my passion as much as I learned about myself and people in general. Um, and then I came back to um, sports and nutrition. Where, so explain that because that was a big shock for So for people who are just listening and if you haven't seen, I'll, I'll obviously you'll put her Instagram in the um, description so you can see her, but you're not very, how tall are you? <laughs> um I'm five four, I believe. I'm like 167 centimeters. So I think okay. it's five four. Okay. So she's not a huge person, like little blonde girl, um, very fit. And and when like I was bringing you on board to the team and I got your resume and I saw a picture of you as a police officer, I was like, no shit. So explain <laughs> to us how like what made you go that route and where were you a police officer? Because I know you've bounced around quite a bit. Yeah. Um so at the time I was living in New Zealand. I've been living in New Zealand for the last nine years of my life. Came back to Germany um this year in May. And I chose to become a police officer more out of curiosity and a little bit out of necessity as well. I just wanted um to have a steady job. That was one of the things that kind of drove me away from personal training because obviously you have random hours um you have irregular paychecks and so on and so I just thought uh all right I will try something different and I just kind of for fun applied for the police and I got in <laughs> so I decided to just go along with it and um, but after a few years uh, yeah as I said I just realized it's not my passion and at that time I had already um, my body had taken a bit of a toll from shift work. And so I just knew I needed to get out of it. So I don't know if that says a lot about you as a person or very little about the New Zealand police force. <laughs> like I just decided <laughs> to apply and I got in. Um, I know. <laughs> that's amazing though. I love it. And then um, obviously coming full circle, you ended up, uh, I believe you, I guess you could say quit the police as you were working for me, right? Like as you came on board to the team? Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And so I had, uh, I decided that I wanted to quit the police, but I also knew I wanted to have like 
as scary as it is, you know, just quitting and trying something new. So I built up the nutrition coaching um, alongside. So I was at about probably part time, I guess, when I fully quit the police. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, let, let's let's backtrack a little bit, though, because obviously, I, I want to know a little bit more in depth about, um, I guess, why you got into coaching and any personal struggles you had, because I think that we all, I think the coolest thing about not just our team, because there's a lot of coaches that are like this, but it's, especially our team, is each and every one of us have gone through different struggles and different personal battles with our own bodies and performance and hormones, and different things. And that creates a sense of empathy that allows us to coach on a much deeper level, which I think is very, very important. And you share that as well in a couple of realms. But I'm curious because you, you must have gotten in pretty good shape before becoming a police officer. So was there a gap where, you know, you left college, I'm assuming you were in shape because you were studying that stuff and you kind of lived it. Did you get out of shape, get back in shape? How was that process? What was that journey like? Um, so the only time that I really got a little bit out of shape was after high school because I went on a year long trip um, to go traveling around the world and I gained about 20 pounds. Um, before that, I never struggled with um, extra, extra excess weight or anything like that. And so as soon as I started college again, um, I had a professor and she was really into like low fat. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll try that. Um, and I lost a little bit of weight. And then my next professor in college, she was really um, into low carb. And so I combined the two and I essentially was just eating like protein, <laughs> and low fat, low, low carb. And so obviously you can imagine that my nutrition or my diet was very restrictive. And I had these binge episodes on the weekends and just, uh, it was, it was not good. Um, and then I got into CrossFit, loved it. Um, like so many people, you start CrossFit, you fall in love with it. And at that time, almost everybody in CrossFit uh, tried paleo or zone or one or the other. And so I came up with this random diet, which was a combination between the low fat, low carb paleo. <laughs> so it, it just went from bad to worse to even worse. And I just thought to myself, this cannot be it. I literally remember standing in the supermarket starting to cry because I felt like I couldn't eat anything. It was it, it was it was not good um I never like I said I didn't really struggle with excess weight or anything and I wasn't super skinny but I um was lean and reasonably content with how I looked I just didn't feel right like my mind was just in the wrong place and then I read an article by chance by someone called Nicole Caperzo I'm not sure if you have heard of her but mm -hmm. she she's a CrossFit athlete and she wrote this article which was titled How Donuts Gave Me a 90 kg snatch and abs. So 90 kg, that's 200 pounds. I was like, hell yeah, I want a 200 pound snatch <laughs> and I want abs. <laughs> and basically this article goes about um, how paleo is not the non plus ultra, like everybody was thinking in the CrossFit realm at the time and how you can achieve possibly more optimal body composition and also more uh, better performance by following a um, macro-based diet because essentially it comes down to two calories. And I was like, whoa, it was mind blowing because it, even though I was studying sport and exercise science and we had a nutrition um, uh, like paper essentially, um, we never really touched too much on calories. Like we, we did learn of course, yeah, how much is a, how many calories is in a gram of carbs and fats and so on, but no one really teaches you about um, portions and the rest of it. 
And so I read this article and she went on about how she's been tracking her food in MyFitnessPal. And so I, I literally just did that, downloaded MyFitnessPal, put in some random numbers, which gave me, I think it was like 2,400 calories at the time. And that was awesome. And I kind of almost spiraled the other way and um, started eating mostly Pop-Tarts and cereal and protein shakes to hit my macros, which I enjoyed for some time, but my gut didn't so much. So <laughs> that balanced out after a while. And I went back to eating more 80, 90% whole foods and a little bit of flexibility here and there. But I was just mind blown by um, the effect that it had on my social life, on my mental well-being, and um, how I could enjoy social gatherings again. Like, because eating out and other people uh, cooking meals for me, it would give me anxiety. I would like freak out because technically I wasn't allowed to eat any of that. And and suddenly I could with macros. So I felt so liberated, and I just wanted to tell the world. <laughs> so I basically started um, like telling people at the CrossFit box and other people were like, well, you're looking so much leaner and you're so much more ener energized. What have you done? And I just yeah, kind of started coaching people without even knowing that I was coaching them. Um, and then while I was in the police and I thought, OK, I want to go back into like fitness and possibly a little bit of nutrition. Um, what can I do? And so I looked into all these different certificates uh, or certs with um, macro coaching or um, basically nutrition coaching. And that's how it all sort of spiraled back. I love it. It's, it, it's funny to me because like you mentioned, uh, going to school, a lot of the textbooks inside of nutritional science and stuff, they talk so much about the physiology that they completely leave out the application Oh, of what gets people results, right? And that's yeah. like really what a lot of these certifications do. That's obviously what we do. Um, but it helps that you know the physiology too, that you've gone to school, that you've had that background too. And when you could kind of put them together. Um, and then the other sense of that too is like, even though you weren't obese, like you said, you were 20 pounds overweight. So you had to lose weight and stuff at, at one point. I think it's, a, it's a, a good thing for people to hear because a lot of people look at us and not, luckily not me because I get to talk on this podcast all the time, but um, this is a good platform for you to share this because I think a lot of people look at other coaches who are really lean and healthy and look happy and everything. And they're just like, Oh, gen genetics, right? Like you're just kind of gifted that way. You don't have to work for it. And it's like, there's always been a time where we all have struggled. And even at a point where you were lean, like you were deprived and you were essentially, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you were afraid to eat more food because it was going 100%. to take away how you looked, right? Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. I was, I was afraid to eat to fuel my training. Um, like I'd start feeling lethargic and, and just just that mental um block as well. It was it was huge and definitely not in a healthy place. Like I I was never a very strong CrossFit athlete because um I just wouldn't allow myself to eat that many carbs and protein is obviously not a an optimal fuel source. So um I could have done a lot more at the time. Yeah. Um, so, so I want to, I want to touch on real quick, um, I guess just tips or advice or, or what you do inside your coaching. Cause we're on this topic of coaching and you, we were talking about reverse dieting. We're talking about eating more food and we've both seen so many, especially CrossFit women, but just women in general who do follow paleo or zone or low carb or really any type of diet, just low calories. I mean, you even said at one point it was a low carb, low fat diet, which is just, <laughs> you're just deprived yourself. That's all it is. Um, yeah when you're in these situations, like what advice can you give people listening to follow the same footsteps you did? And what I mean by that is trusting the process of eating more, because 
as we know, eating more right now isn't necessarily going to just boom, get leaner. And I think people see these before and afters online and they're like, oh, reverse diet and you get leaner. It's like, well, not always. And that's like some hyper responders, but long-term probably, right? So how do you convince your clients? Because you've worked with so many clients now that have been in similar situations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you always have to meet the person where they're at for one. So I have actually had a client come to me and uh, she said she worked with a nutritionist and she, at the time she was on 1200 calories and the nutritionist wanted to bump her up the next week to 1900. So, you know, that's a huge jump. And mm -hmm. of course that girl was super terrified of doing that. And she said, I can't eat six meals a day. That is just terrifying. I'm eating two at the moment. How can how do you, how does she expect me to do that? So I think some people make that mistake there. They're just trying to um, do these huge jumps. So meeting the person where they're at and then getting them uh, to trust you by slowly increasing their calories, particularly carbs and stuff, uh, to to help bring them up slowly. And so they see oh actually I'm eating a little bit more, but nothing actually happens. I'm starting to feel better, but I'm not, I'm not looking huge. I haven't gained two kg or two pounds overnight. So then maybe two weeks later, they're not so afraid to bump it up again and again and again. So just a slow process. And of course that is mentally very difficult because usually at the time when they come to us, all they want is to look leaner and we're getting them to eat more. So it's definitely a mental struggle and having a coach during those times is so invaluable, invaluable I think, um, because you can just help support them and tell them, hey, that's totally normal. And um, it's normal that you feel that way as well. And this is the science behind it. And that's what's going to happen in the end. Um, and just be patient. And that's, and that's really like, I think the biggest piece of reverse dieting really isn't the science of mm. calories and metabolism. It's really the art of coaching, right? And I think that um, so many people, like there's a, there's a lot of templates and algorithms that will create calories and macros for you. And I think that's the biggest problem with them because those will bump you up from 1,200 to 1,900 overnight or however big the jump is. And is the calculation correct? Absolutely. Like, And for some people, physiologically speaking, you may be better off doing that from a health perspective, but mentally aesthetically, uh, emotionally, like not at all. Right. And I think that's where like, we'll get questions all the time. And I know you've had these two of like, how, like how frequently should I bump up calories in reverse? And it's like, well, seven days, 10 days, 14 days, 21 days, 13 days. Like, it's really just like, well, how's the communication going with the client? Like, how are they feeling? You know what I mean? And what macros are we bumping up when, and how are we bumping them up? So I'm glad you touched on it that the way you did versus like you wrote a, I'll link this blog in the show notes, but you wrote a blog. Um, I think we titled it uh, something, it was about metabolic adaptation, but now I'm losing mm -hmm. the, do you remember what the title was? Um, I think like metabolic down, no, I'm, I can't remember. Downhill something. Of, <laughs> downhill <but> metabolism. <laughs> there you go. I think it was something like that. So I'll link it in the show notes. Um, I'm gonna look it up right now because otherwise it'll drive me crazy, but it was a really good blog talking about, um, essentially this exact thing, like the science behind metabolic adaptation, what actually happens when you diet um, and I can't find the blog, but it was something along those lines. Oh, downhill metabolism, what actually happens when we diet. So I'll put that in the show notes. Really, really good blog by uh, Lisa. And it kind of talks about the science. So there is science behind it, but I think the art of coaching and the communication side of things is so much more important, just as important as the science, because 
that's how the application happens. And that's why, again, like you said, coaching is so important. And we've all gone through reverse diets. And for me, even just having to check in really is like the biggest mm -hmm. benefit. Like I will literally, like right now, I don't even have a goal. I've, I literally am paying for a check-in. And it's, it's literally just a form of like, this keeps me accountable. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's really what it's about, right? Um, okay, so going back to your personal story, because we're going to kind of keep pulling little nuggets out of this. Um, you shifted away from CrossFit recently. And I'm just curious about like your evolution through CrossFit. So at first you were dieting super hard. I'm, I'm assuming you weren't doing any positive style of training that either A, wasn't getting you a result or B, you just didn't enjoy. You found CrossFit. <laughs> things started to change, but then you went kind of down this paleo bandwagon and started dieting harder, feeling more restricted and kind of putting yourself in a, in a shitty position, so to speak. And then um, you started eating more food. So I'm assuming you started performing better in CrossFit, but right now you're not doing any CrossFit. So explain to us why that is and how that like just timeline went. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before CrossFit, I was mostly doing like bodyweight training, but also running half marathons and yoga and swimming. Um, so kind of in that endurance realm, I guess. Um, but I was pretty bored of it. And then I found CrossFit. And I loved the community aspect. I loved that it was so variable. And every time you turn up, um, it would be something different. And there's always something to work on. And so I totally fell in love with the whole thing. And I was I was training at least six times a week, sometimes two a days. And um, as I started eating more, and as you said, I started performing better and I became not afraid of putting on masks anymore, which was great. And um, so started doing pretty well. At, when I was in the police, I um, won the fittest police officer of the year, two years in a row, and um, would have really liked to perform or like compete even more. But then my body at some point told me, hang on, you're not doing everything right. Because I, I was at that time, I was um, doing night shifts as well. And on average, I'd sleep about three to four hours a night um, for a period of multiple years. And that training twice a day, sometimes, uh, sometimes about two hours each session. So as you can imagine, your body gets pretty beaten up after a while. And one day I woke woke up and I couldn't turn my neck anymore. So that was the first warning sign. I was like, oh, holy crap. Um, so I had a very stiff neck, couldn't turn anything. I had a trapped nerve from just like pulling too much during deadlifts, during kipping pull-ups, during everything overuse. And they just said, um, you just need to dial it, out, dial it down, just bodybuilding style training and blah. And I, I was I was very bummed out because I loved the sport so much and then just going to the gym every day on my own I thought it was the most boring thing at first and it took me about two to three months to really start appreciating the other um, aspect of fitness where I started building more of a, of a mind muscle connection where I started experimenting more with other uh, exercises and accessory work and um, really actually enjoyed training on my own and tracking met metrics more rather than just the community aspect and um, uh, what was also the other sign not just my neck was that my hormones had been playing up massively I um, was almost in a semi-depressed state at the time um, I 
at one point I woke up and I was like, well, it wouldn't be a bad thing if I died today. That kind of thing. I just, I, I wasn't be my, wasn't myself anymore. Um, I had people say to me, Hey, you're, you're acting super weird. You are normally a very positive person, super enthusiastic, and you are just not yourself. And so that was the other aspect. And I knew I needed to get out of the shift work. So those two things together, um, really brought me more into just strength training and dialing down high intensity work. And like I said, it was a very hard transition at first. And I have been doing just strength training, more bodybuilding type training for the last over two years now. And I absolutely love it. Uh, I still, or at the moment, I still train at a CrossFit box. So I still get to be a little bit social. Um, but yeah, I definitely understand the struggles that people have when I tell them, hey, can we dial down the high intensity work because your cortisol is in overdrive? And um, this might be one of the reasons why we're not able to let go of the last few pounds, essentially. I think like that, I'm glad that you shared as detailed as you did, because I think there's a lot of people listening that will resonate with that on very, very uh, similar levels or even just a remote level. And I think a lot of people don't take into consideration like mood, depression, positivity, things like that when they think about uh, neur neurological fatigue and hormonal fatigue and just needing deloads and stuff. Um, I've actually been in a similar position where, uh, and not a, actually, this is the first time I've shared this in the podcast too. Um, I went and got my testosterone tested. I uh, started, like I was having much different conversations with some of my mentors. I even went to a therapist at one point because I was so lost as to successful business. I just had a baby. I have a team. I have friends. Like there's no reason for me to be this sad, yet I am very just... Like I yeah. wasn't like, I wasn't even like sad. I wasn't angry. It was just like, meh. you know what I mean? And it just kind 100%. of, it was the first time I've ever felt a sense of depression. And, um, and I started like digging deeper and deeper and it would truly was, it wasn't until like two months of consistently not training hard that I started feeling better and not dieting. And it wasn't even from a sense that the, the hard head side of me wouldn't pinpoint like, dude, you're just, you're training too much and too hard, like mm -hmm. chill out you have too much stress, you have a business, you have a new daughter, or like all these things. It, for me, it was just like, I just don't feel like training. So I'm just going to do a quick one. And like, I don't, I don't care about what I eat. So I just ate intuitively. So I naturally ate in a surplus. And I started feeling way better. And then I know, like, after like two months of that, I was like, whoa, like, that was the first time I've ever experienced that. And I have a lot of clients who experience that too. And the reason I'm sharing this too, is because I think that people need to understand that these symptoms, and there's a lot of people who get to this point, and it's too late, right? And mm -hmm the this type of symptom and this type of hormonal or neurological adaptation that happens is like doms it's delayed onset blank fatigue right where like doms is like i just did a crazy workout and i feel really good i wake up tomorrow and i'm just fucking wrecked and i was like man i felt good afterwards i took care of myself like it's doms right you can't control it um it, it takes a little bit and the same thing happens with this and i see this with people all the time they're going so hard and they're like no i'm fine i can diet more my biofeedback's great and I'm like, I see some red flags. Like, I think we need to pull back or I think we need to deload. Or even for people looking for weight loss, like, I think it's so important. If you're going to choose CrossFit for a modality to lose weight, which is fine, you have to dial it back to like a 50%. Meaning instead of doing all five workouts a week, do three and then have two like restorative bodybuilding workouts or something because you can never handle as much as you think you can. And it's always going to bite you in the ass after the fact after it's already settled in you're not going to realize until it's too late does that make sense yeah. oh absolutely and the the 
quote unquote dangerous thing is that uh, like you're saying after your training you're feeling great so it's like how can that be bad for me <laughs> i used to say oh my training keeps me sane my training is my like mental sanity across or among all this crazy life of my shift work and everything it just, it's my safe point my zone and stuff but yeah i wasn't i didn't recognize that everything just added up the lack of sleep um and the training and potentially a little bit of um after effects of the not eating enough and everything so it was a lot of things but it it brought me also a lot of positive points now like it got me really interested in the whole hormonal side of things and i started reading more um i personally chose for myself to discontinue hormonal birth control because i thought um i've read a lot about it and i think that it contributed to my depression at the time as well and so um i i think it's it made me a better coach today as well because um i have that insight into what it can do with like how your hormones are affected by everything essentially by your lifestyle by your sleep by your training by your nutrition and 100%. so yeah 100% i think that and this sounds really bad but i think that um as coaches having some things that went bad or that are fucked up about us like actually make us better yeah absolutely <laughs> it just makes us able to relate and understand and, and kind of meet them where they're at um and i think it's it's honestly a big piece of why great coaches usually aren't genetic freaks they usually aren't people and that's not to say that you can't have great geno- genetics and be a great coach because i have friends that are amazing coaches and they have great g- genetics too but a lot of times we have gone through bad diets we've tried fad diets we've tried bad programming we've gone down bad paths with recovery or overtraining or uh, hormonal issues whatever it may be and it just allows us to be better and better and better um and i just i I love this conversation as a whole because i think it's gonna be so applicable to so many people and it's just so important for people to understand how to approach things properly so they don't put them dig themselves into this hole essentially that's so hard to come out of yeah I I wish I definitely wish I would have had someone on my side at the time just telling me hey maybe dial the crossfit down a little bit hey maybe try to get a little bit more sleep and hey maybe mm-hmm. eat a little bit more of this and that um so yeah I I think that that having a coach on your side uh, is just a little little wake up call sometimes or telling you things that you need to hear you might even know but you just don't want to know or want to hear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, one one thing I want to point out that uh, just because you, you breezed over real quick and we kind of touched on it, but like when you're going through those situations and you leave class on such a high that you're not expecting to be run down later on. And so it's hard mm-hmm. to notice the symptoms, something, and you probably know a lot about this because you've been d- diving into like uh, neurotransmitters and dopamine and all these different things. But when we go to a class full of people, especially in CrossFit, if we're in a class, we, our adrenaline is up, our cortisol is up. So we're in fight or flight. We're in a positive, excited, and uh, anxious mood, but anxious in a positive way, ex- extreme excitement. And we are also around people who are clapping and cheering us on. It's competitive, which is going to be the biggest dopamine hit we could possibly have. So we're, we basically leave on this adrenaline and dopamine high, right? There's no way, A, we don't want to come back, which... This and I don't mean this in a negative way because it's a really positive thing about CrossFit, right? It's 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 a negative thing when we think of like uh, highly palatable foods. They give us a dopamine kick too, and we come back to them. And that's not a good thing. But with CrossFit, <laughs> like that's a very positive thing. But it has people come back and makes them leave on a good note. And then later, when they feel like shit, they want to seek out that dopamine 
sidekick. And it's very hard to go into a lonely bodybuilding gym <laughs> and get that hit. And even for me, like, honestly, like, I'm, I really miss training with the community. But for the last couple years, because my life is so busy with the business and with my daughter, it makes more sense for me to work out in my garage, which I have everything I need in there. So it's a great place. But building self-discipline to like push yourself to an RPE of nine or 10 inside of a garage by yourself in the cold is the hardest thing ever. It's so hard. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that summed it up very well with the dopamine hit. And I, I think it's, it's definitely important for people to know why they're feeling like such a high after class. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Okay. So you went through this CrossFit phase um, you started transitioning out a little bit, started doing more bodybuilding, stuff like that. Um, how long ago did you make that transition? Uh, and then where are you at now with your training, with uh, fatigue, with hormone? I basically kind of want to show people how long it takes to really start feeling better and just kind of see that. Time yeah. Um, so I started transitioning out of it uh, about two years ago. And uh, it wasn't, I have to say, not until about a year later, so a year ago now, that I actually started feeling good, that my hormones were kind of starting to be in balance again. Um, and uh, so it, it takes a long time. Hormones take like at least three months to respond, but it, it, of course it depends how messed up they are. And obviously mine were pretty wrecked and not until a year later that I actually, I can confidently say I felt like myself again. So now at the moment, I am still doing functional bodybuilding, um, going to like in the new year, it's one of my goals going to slowly uh, in like integrate just things like EMOMs, again, very controlled ways of bringing up um, my intensity, my training intensity again, and bringing in a little like few aspects of CrossFit. I still practice handstand push-ups from time to time or kipping pull-ups just because I really enjoy these things, but I haven't done any Metcons whatsoever in literally two years. Damn. Yeah. That's, <laughs> but that, I mean, but that's a good example. I had, uh, <laughs> I felt bad. I was on my IG story Q and A this week and I wrote, it depends on like 20 answers. But <laughs> so, like I had like three questions about reverse dieting and one of them was like, how long does it take to get my period back? Uh, one was how long does it take for my hormones to kick in? And I was like, could be anywhere between 0.5 and 1.5 times as long as you dieted, which is mm -hmm. such a huge range because if you dieted for six months, that could be three months, it could be 18 months. <laughs> like we really don't know. Yeah, it, it really, it really, really depends on so many factors. But yeah, I just want to encourage anybody who is trying to improve their hormones to be patient because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of consistency. You can't just be like, oh, okay, for a, for a month, I, I ate a lot of healthy fats and I slept a little bit more. Why is nothing changing? It's just a lot of consistency across all areas of life, training, nutrition, and more specifically like eating enough calories, eating enough healthy fats and protein, um, and then also sleep and just generally trying to de-stress more. So I started doing more things like going for walks and like really um, kind of emphasizing self-care making sure that I would be getting my seven plus hours of sleep at least because by the time I finished my shift work in police, I would wake up six to eight times a night on a, like a regular night. And, and that is like having 
even if I could sleep as long as I wanted to, it would literally be six to eight times. And so it took a while to restore that. And it's not for anybody who's waking up multiple times a night to go to the bathroom or whatever. It is not normal. If you think that's normal, it's not normal. There's something wrong with your hormones. Yeah. And that's, and sleep's one of the biggest regulators of your circadian rhythm. Sleep and and, uh, food, that will literally wreck your metabolism, your hormones, stress levels, everything. Mm-hmm. So it's so, so important. I think it, this is much more easy. It's easier said than done, but I always try to tell people, it's like, okay, you're in this position with, I, I don't want to say wrecked hormones, because that's very negative, but compromised or dysfunctional hormones. Mm-hmm. And what else are you going to do? Like, I understand you want it in six months, but if you take 18 months to get there, two years to get there, even maybe even less, like, I don't want everybody to think it's that. Sometimes it's only six months, sometimes it's 12. But then you can live the rest of your life in a better place. And you've learned this valuable lesson of how not to diet, how, how hard you can go, how hard you should not go, what your training should be like, what your sleep should be like. You just learned this valuable lesson. And even though you are in a rush and we want things now, life is pretty long. Like you might want to live the rest of your life in a good place. Definitely. Yeah. I'm glad I took those uh, two years and I'm still focusing on uh, like health quite a lot um, and because I, I feel better than I have in a very long time, if not ever. And I, I can confidently say that I look better aesthetically than I have ever before, even during the times that I was doing CrossFit, I don't know, like 10 times a week, uh, including the two days and stuff. So um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of things. It's huge. Um, real quick, uh, shameless plug, I just want to mention because you said uh, the type of style of training you're doing, you do a lot of the programs outside the elite, but for everybody listening who is in a similar position needs to, likes CrossFit, wants to have some form of controlled intensity and full body training, so on and so forth, but needs to tone it down for health and aesthetics. Uh, the new program perform and burn that is inside the elite that is inside the uh, true coach app that you can actually go through it with me week to week is exactly like this. It's something that's very, very similar to what Lisa has been doing. And it's very, very helpful. And it's also feels it's almost like I'm tricking you into that intensity. So you feel like you're still doing stuff, but it's much healthier for your body at this time. So just shameless plug. There's a link in the description if you want to join that. Um, okay, so I, I want to keep moving through your story and stuff because we have limited time. Um, one of the things I had on here is things outside of fitness, like we keep talking about fitness, we're talking about training, we know your story of, of essentially going from uh, being somewhat enrolled in sports and fitness your entire life, going to school from it, getting out away from it, and then getting really into it, and then going to the police force, leaving the police force to work full-time with me and helping the pupils we help. Um, outside of all this, you're a very, very busy person. Do you have hobbies? What do you like to do outside of fitness? Um, so I still love traveling, um, and whenever I get a chance, I, I try to go to warm places. I'm not a big fan of winter, <laughs> so I try to escape it if if I can or when I can. Um, and yeah, just things like um, going for walks, listening to podcasts. I love uh, education, just reading, um, and really just the standard stuff as well, like going to the movies and being a foodie and eat, drinking coffee. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say if I had to pick one, travel is uh, one of my big passions just because I think it um, it broadens your mind and your horizon as well. So um, that's what I've been fortunate enough to do a lot this year since I've left the police. Very, very, uh, and I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, very European. It's like uh, <laughs> coffee and outdoors and education and, and kind of like, and I mean this in a good way too, because I'm actually the same way. I do a lot of stuff by myself, but kind of like a lone wolf, like you're okay going off on your own and doing things and stuff like that, which I appreciate. And I actually, 
I think this is just a random side note. I was talking to Austin Curran about this. We were all hanging out in uh, Philly this weekend. And I grew up the opposite. Like I had to be, it was almost like, like people have social anxiety. Like they want to be alone because they have social anxiety. I, mine was the reverse. Like I had to be with people doing something at all times or I would get anxiety if I was alone. So I constantly surrounded myself with people. Like I didn't play a video game my entire life. I still don't, but like, it's just never been that way. Cause I just don't like being alone. Um, so I had like a weird moment in my life where I didn't like that and I wanted to reverse it. So I started traveling alone. I started going to movies alone. I started going to coffee shops alone, going on hikes alone and forcing myself to be that way. And it actually in a weird way brought me closer to myself and brought a lot of happiness, mm -hmm. which is a weird thing. I can, yeah, 100% relate to that. So, um, but I want to ask you about traveling to a couple things on that. Um, the first one being how many countries have you been to at this point? I have it's actually ridiculous. been asked this last weekend at at a seminar that I attended, um, but I I cannot tell you. I would say it's anywhere between thirty and thirty five, maybe nuts. So <laughs> ha you have been to obviously New Zealand. You've been to Australia. Yes. Okay. Yeah, have you been um, to any Asian countries? Uh, just Hong Kong, Japan, and Thailand. <laughs> just. Um, have you <laughs> been to any African countries? Yeah, um, I actually lived in West Africa for three years because my dad was a development worker when I grew up. And so we kind of traveled around there as well and Namibia and South Africa. So probably about uh, six or seven countries in Africa. That is crazy. Um, so you live in Germany. So I'm assuming you've been to London, Hungary, areas like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, where I live in Germany, uh, everything is very accessible. Within about an hour and a half, I'm at the Austrian-Swiss-Czech border, and then it's about three hours to France or three hours to Italy. Um, Croatia is maybe six hours away, and so is Hungary. Or uh, the Spanish border is a little bit further. I've been to Spain, Portugal. And yeah, and I mean, in Europe, we're so blessed because it's so so easy to travel within like two hours you can fly almost everywhere <laughs> um, so wild so been to probably about 10 to 13 countries across europe and then been to uh, brazil and ecuador and south america and obviously the states a few times yeah the wild thing about that too is like i was talking to i was talking to austin about this because austin has been fucking everywhere it was so funny we, we did a uh, we did a drunk cast i don't know if it has aired yet by the time this airs um and we got back from seminar and we bought a few bottles of wine and we just sat there and recorded a two and a half hour long podcast just talking about life and everything while we we're drinking some wine it was really cool and they, they were asking about relationships they asked me how i met shannon i was explaining like you know we went to this huge wine vineyard and blah blah it was like i thought it was like really cool and then austin tells us his story and him and his wife are from the same town but they met at a castle in london going what? through this like crazy travel it's like the craziest story ever and i was just like okay you win jesus That's man. Awesome. um but uh but we were saying like it's so cool because like for me like i can drive two and a half three hours i'm in portland oregon that's pretty cool but portland's basically the same shit as seattle it's not really any different there's like some different stores but and there's no tax so it's i go there and buy things but <laughs> you guys can drive two and a half, three hours and you're in literally a completely different culture. Like it's just yeah. night and day difference. And to me, that is like, I'm so envious of it. And I, I don't forget like Adam, it was shortly after Adam started uh, coaching with us. He, uh, he was like, Hey, like he was giving me like notes. He was like, hey, I'm going to be out of town uh, for my birthday. We're going on a trip for a few days. 
I was like, oh, cool. And he was like, it's no big deal. We're just driving like a couple hours though. So like, I'm, 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 I have my phone, everything if you need anything. I was like, no worries. Where are you going? And he sent me a picture. And I'm like, is this from a, a calendar or is this like real? Like just two hour drive and you're on these like cliffs of Italy or some shit. Like this is just ridiculous. <laughs> it, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And that was one of the reasons why I have moved back from New Zealand to Europe because I was missing the, the ease of travel in Europe very much. Yeah um how my mom just got back from germany actually uh my my grandpa's from hungary and his new wife um wild story about him my uh his wife passed away my step grandma and he was on the ferry going back he lives over here now and he saw a lady reading a book about hungary and she was a now a new widow and she was traveling back home to germany but she was going to make a trip to hungary and he was like Mm -hmm. oh i'm hungarian and they clicked now they travel the world he was just in germany with my mom and they went to Germany. I think they went to Croatia as well. A couple of places. They went to Budapest where we have family and stuff, but it's Mm -hmm. just like, they were sending me pictures and I'm just like, okay, this is enough is enough. So me and Shannon are planning a trip. I don't know if it's going to be probably 2021, to be honest, because we're waiting for Blakely to be old enough to really enjoy it and and somewhat remember it and be able to like, you know, talk and and walk around and stuff. So we're like, the clock is ticking, but when we do, I will expect you to give us like, uh, uh, at least a show of the town or the city or whatever give us some places Absolutely. to go <laughs> my that's for sure so, so speaking of travel um you have re- re- remained fit for a long time throughout traveling around the world and going different places i mean you just got back from san diego right mm-hmm, that's great. you were just traveling to san diego you're back in germany um in a couple months you're going to be back here in seattle with me like you're, you travel all the time so what are some tips and tricks and like what do you focus on to make sure that you're keeping your body healthy and, and staying fit while you're traveling? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So I've learned a lot over the course of the years and I've learned that prioritizing sleep is just huge. Like at first I would take red eyes to places or just the cheapest flight, even if it would take 20 hours to get somewhere, even though I, it, it normally only takes five and stuff. And by now I've learned that it's just not worth it. Um, prioritizing sleep and having a, a reasonable hotel it doesn't need to be any anything fancy but definitely not sleeping in a hostel with 20 bunk beds in a room (laughs) that's probably not a a good idea so learn to prioritize sleep but also to prioritize protein and fiber that's very important because otherwise digestion is likely to kind of be a little bit of whack just from sitting so much or from eating foods you're not used to and I always take my supplements um, with me, so vitamins and omegas and stuff, because most likely um, nutrient quality is not going to be as high. Greens as well, even if at home I don't necessarily consume greens if I'm eating enough um, micro- micronutrient-dense foods, but when I'm traveling, I definitely take my greens with me. Um, and I also will say that having track or haven't been tracking macros for such a long time is just so helpful because I can confidently estimate portion sizes. I know roughly how much protein I've had in a day. Um, As I said, I don't have that anxiety anymore about like foods that I'm not 100% sure about or that might not be in my fitness pal or anything like that. I can, I confidently know um, that I guess eight, eight ounces of chicken are this and that much or okay, yeah, I've probably had about 130 grams of protein today and I feel feel very good with it. Um, so yeah, there's a few things. And then of course, keeping hydrated, um, that's probably another one and getting in 
my movement no matter what. So I always find gyms with a, or a hotel with a gym or a gym nearby. And I just make those things non-negotiables, just like when I'm at home. It's not like, oh, okay, I'm traveling. Um, let's just do whatever. I need to make the most out of the city. I'm thinking, no, I'm going to take care of my nutrition and my training first. And then the rest of the time I can enjoy even more because I feel better. I think that's a really good takeaway that um, macros actually gave you more freedom. I think a lot of people look at it like, well, if I track macros, I'm kind of tied down and I, I'm not intuitive anymore and I can't have that intuitiveness or that flexibility. And it's actually the opposite. Like tracking macros teaches you how to be intuitive for the times you can't track macros, right? hundred oh, percent. It has, it's given me so much freedom and just, yeah, like that mental freedom again, bringing it back to that whole letting go of restriction. Yeah. And it's just, it's education. And one thing that you said though, that kind of, I, I read it and I didn't know if it was a typo. And then you said it again. And I guess it's starting to make sense to me now that you're talking about it, but you said no red eyes. And at first, my first thought was like, I'm all about red eyes. Cause then I can sleep on the plane and then I don't lose sleep. You know, I kind of keep on my sleep schedule, but are you saying it's better to uh, be awake on the plane so that like when you land, you can sleep, have higher sleep, sleep quality, because even if you're sleeping at the right time, it's going to be shitty sleep quality because you're on a plane basically. Yeah, at least that's what works for me because it's like long haul flights, you know, so um, if if I'm on a plane for eight or nine hours or longer, um, I'm possibly getting an hour of sleep. At least that's the type of sleeper I am. I can't just be like, okay, I'm on a plane. I can sleep like eight hours now. Um, if I could, it might be a different story. So I'm not sure what how that's for you. But if I'm uh, only sleeping for an hour and then I'm getting to this new place, uh, in the morning, and I still have a whole day to get through um, before I can get my next sleep, it's really not ideal. And it it sort of drags out or drags on for a few days. Yeah, I think I used to be a sleeper on planes, like I could just easily sleep. And I think now it's hard because I look at it like a productivity hack. I'm like, well, I'm trapped <laughs> on this plane for hours, I can get so much shit done, and then it won't let me sleep, you know, like yeah. on my way to Philly. <laughs> I had a six hour flight to Philly back and forth, five and a half hours. Uh, and I just got so much shit done on the plane. So like yeah. I was super tired because I was going ahead three hours. So I was just out of whack. Like the first day, like I was like not even tired till midnight. And usually I'm out by 10. So then we woke up early for the seminar, but 7 a.m. over there was 4 a.m. for me normally. So I was by the end of the second night, I was just like, I think I had one glass of wine and I was like delirious because I just was so out of it. Um, but that's totally makes sense. And I think like the biggest like takeaway from everything you just said is kind of just planning, right? I think people yes. kind of go into a trip and they're like, oh, like I'll find healthy stuff as I go. And it's like, no, like you, you got to Google search everything before you get there. Totally. Yeah. Search your your hotel and healthy food options potentially. And yeah, just prepare for it. Pack whatever you can. I love that. It's something I'm huge with my clients. I've even helped them. Like, I will search this. Give me the hotel. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to make yeah, sure definitely. that you're going the right place. Um, cool. So I want to finish off with some things that, like, you're working on right now. You're studying right now. So maybe certifications, books, things like that. Just people are always interested in what we're doing, what we're learning. And um, as you know, because you're part of the team, and a lot of people don't know this, but um, all of us are literally always taking some kind of certification. So I actually had this question. I think it was at the seminar. Somebody was talking to me, and they were like, how, like, how do you stay motivated to like continually study? Like, you know, I've been doing nutrition and training for so long. It's, it's hard. I'm like, I just, I'm always doing a certification. Like, what do you mean? I was like, like I'm literally always enrolled in something. Um, and we're kind of all that way. Like we're all literally going through a course. So um, what are you doing right now? And over the last like 
just 2019, I guess, like what are some topics you've been diving into? What are some things you've been reading? So on and so forth. Yeah, um, I I just really enjoy the studying aspect as well. Like even if I, I wasn't a nutrition coach, I'd probably try and learn something. But um, this year I've done some pretty cool things or I've been fortunate enough to do some pretty cool things like um, hormone specialist course, uh, the NCI level two, that was pretty awesome. And then got more into neurotyping, which has been an interest of mine for a while. So basically individualizing training and nutrition to each person even more. I mean, that's what we do anyway, but just according to someone's neurotype. And that's actually what I'm studying uh, at the moment as well, or where I'm en enrolled in a course at the moment with the Barmy. That's an awesome course. Shout out to uh, Christian Thibodeau. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> Been on this podcast a couple of times before as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have him coming on again in December. I think we're going to do around three people love him. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's very entertaining. Even in the course, it feels more like I'm just hanging out with him rather than, <laughs> than, than doing this hard, super intricate course or anything like that. Um, yeah. So that's one of the focuses at the moment. I love it. Yeah. And then you, uh, I believe you're diving into a little bit of more FODMAP, which is something I've been diving yes. into as well. Um, yes. I think we have a blog coming out on that next week while this airs or maybe this week so if it is I'll, I'll link in the show notes but it's coming out yeah soon. that was actually good fun researching as well because I mean um having digestive issues or taking people through elimination diets and so on um is something very applicable for us as nutrition coaches and we come across so so many times people probably don't tell us enough how many digestive issues they have until we really dig and we're like hey how's that going for you and then they're like oh well actually <laughs> yeah I, you know what I noticed with the FODMAP on my own personal anecdote is uh, I was more bloated and lethargic than I realized. Like, I think that just, I just wasn't digesting things as well as I thought I was. I've always said I have an iron stomach, like I can just eat anything. And then I was like, let me test this out. And I was like, wow, I feel way better eating these foods. Um, and I don't, I'm not like FODMAP 24 seven, but like majority of my foods try to stay within that realm. And I truly do feel better. And I think my energy is better because my digestion is better. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's the whole point of the low FODMAP diet as well to get to the bottom of what foods really do cause um, like bloating or something in, in one person. It's nothing that you should be following your whole entire life. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I have one more coaching question for you. And then we're gonna finish with a personality question that you didn't see on the Google Doc. So you won't know that this one's coming. Um, but I think it'll be cool. Since I should have done this with Caroline, I don't think I did. Um, so the, the coaching question we're going to finish with is, is essentially kind of two part, like one, like what are the biggest mistakes you see with the people who approach you? Not necessarily people in general, because I think uh, you and I read a lot of mistakes that are out there. But like for the people that actually come on board with us in coaching um, week to week, what do you see as the, as the biggest issues? And then um, what are like your biggest priorities as a coach? Like what are you really trying to relate to them and educate them with and teach them along the path? Mm -hmm. um, biggest mistakes. I would probably say at first, at least, um, inaccuracy in tracking or in reporting as well. Um, so for example, um, just like eyeballing portions and, and just thinking, oh, that's good enough. Um, just focusing on training and nutrition and not so much lifestyle as well, because people underestimate how much of an impact uh, like stress and really like work and sleep and all that has on their um, weight loss potentially or muscle gain, whatever their goal is. 
Um, so I think that would be the two biggest ones. Uh, and also possibly not communicating as much as I would like. Like I, I always say to my clients, I actually, the more info you can get me, the better. Like I more, I enjoy really long three page check-ins more <laughs> because I can actually tell what the person has gone through in the week than someone who's just like yep nope yep nope and I'm like yeah, yeah I, I, I don't really know what to do with that sorry <laughs> so um yeah that, that's probably one of the points I always think that's funny because like when people give me those short answers like I, I respond to like I give them a questionnaire they give me their answers and then I just ask them more questions Mm -hmm. you know yeah. I mean? I'm just like okay and elaborate because blah 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 blah. like what do you think about this like I just keep going and going and going it's like I'm not going to give you an answer until you give me one <laughs> exactly yeah I'm not a mind reader unfortunately <laughs> exactly yeah so um and then going from there like what are your biggest focuses as a coach like what are you trying to I mean you've been doing this for a while now and you've been doing it with boom performance for a while now too like as you've grown as a coach and you've handled so many more clients what are your biggest focuses with them along the way um, I mean, I guess like uh, all all of us um, at Boom Boom Performance, just kind of um, hammering down on leaving a client uh, in a state where they really feel like, or where I'm very confident that for the rest of the, their life, they're really set up and they know what to do on their own. So I always um, try to explain why we're doing things and um, why we've been adjusting things or why this might be taking a longer time than uh, people like so um i definitely think it's hard for a lot of clients when they're like oh i want to lose this and that much weight in three months and it, it's possible but i try to um just hammer down that hey okay are you aware that this might have implications on your health or hey are you aware so just bringing awareness overall um to some things because people are like with all the information on the media out there it's so easy to be led to believe um hey okay i can achieve weight loss and then that's it or yeah. hey i can do muscle and then that's it and yeah. you don't really know what you don't know until you know so <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think like i think that's the biggest thing for people listening who are looking for coaches i actually got this question this week too is like um what it was either like what things should I be looking for in a coach or like what things should I be looking for in a bad coach it was almost like they just started coaching with somebody and they had a bad feeling kind of thing and and that's kind of my answer is like hey if if they're trying to help you build awareness if they're encouraging you to think long term if they're educating you on like why things are working that's a good sign and it just shows that they care like if, if somebody cares about you your well-being not just like your before and after picture it's probably a good sign yeah Absolutely. I, I, I can very much say that I care about my clients. Yeah, absolutely. And I know because like I said, I get like random two page emails from people that are like, I just need to tell you how great Lisa is. And it's like, oh, as, awesome. as, as somebody who leads a team, like that's like, uh, my, my professor at college used to say a proud papa moment. Like every time I'd go to like a seminar with him where I'd go somewhere and like anybody had anything good to say, he would be like, he was like, ah, I had another proud pop moment today. And like, cause he was like a really big figure of mine, um, Tim Bacon. So uh, that's how I feel. Like when I get those, I'm like, this is like means the world to me. So um, I appreciate the hard work you're doing and, and everything you're doing for your clients. And I know they do too. Um, but the last one we were going to leave you with the personality question. You might have heard me say this on the podcast. I stopped doing this, but I'm going to bring it back for you. And, and it's very applicable for you because you have long ass flights that you typically do. So, <laughs> Um, you're on a plane and you have two open seats next to you on each side or one on each side. You get to choose anybody to be in those seats alive or dead, but they cannot be friends or family. 
you get one album, so music, not an artist, not a song, but an, a full album to listen to on your plane. You get one book to read. So you can bring an album, you can bring a book, and you got two people next to you, live or dead. Who, who are, who's sitting next to you? What are you listening to? And what are you reading? Oh, uh, this is so hard. I, sh- I knew I, sh- I should have known it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so I already know um, one of the persons I want to sit next to me, and that would be Ryan Holiday, because I mm. think he's an amazing author, and he would have a lot to teach me or just to share about his life. So um, on that answer. note, was it one book that I can have? Yes. Or yes. one book. Um, so I would probably take um, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday as well, just so we could discuss it even more yeah. <laughs> while he was sitting next to me. Um, and then as of albums, that is a very hard one. The first one that popped into my mind, and I'm that's not even like one of my super favorite artists, but it just popped into my mind, so I'm going to go with it. And that's um, Red Hot Chili Peppers Stadium, mm. or Stadium probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't even know why. And, and then it's a great band. Honestly, probably one of the best bands of all time, in my opinion. Like they're very dynamic, and their shows are insane. Oh, absolutely, I'd probably just be reconsidering if I might choose an earlier album or that one. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> great band. Um, and did I get another person to sit next to? Yes. Me, or was yes, one more person. Okay, that is uh tricky. Um. I'd probably possibly choose Arnold Schwarzenegger and just ask him why he chose to be on that on that bloody documentary. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be the main thing. I love that. It's so funny because so many people have said Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you have the best reasoning why. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just it just popped into my mind because I saw that. I, I don't think you have seen the. Um, I haven't. I don't so, want to yeah. watch it. I, I think oh. the answer to that. I think the answer to that is a lot of money is why he yes. did. Yeah. But <laughs> somebody asked, the, the first person that asked me was like, what do you think about it? I was like, I haven't seen it, but I'm very, like my thoughts are that I'm very disappointed. Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of the yeah. main producers. Like that's sad. <laughs> um, especially because there's pictures of him on Venice beach eating huge pieces of meat. I know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not cool. I would yeah. really like to ask him. <laughs> yeah. I could go on and on about that. So we're not going to dive into the game changers, but Lisa, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for coming on board. Um, I am going to link the, uh, your Instagram. I'm going to link some of your blogs. I'm going to link your, your coaching page so people can uh, kind of check you out and see all your information. Um, do you have anything else for listeners or? No, it's, it's been a pleasure being on here. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time and uh, we'll do it again. Awesome. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of The Nutrition Hierarchy. 
This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation. Jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.